Hello, and welcome to The Scott Mize Show, a podcast focused on health, diet, bodybuilding, and philosophy. I interview experts, doctors, coaches, and N equals one case studies to answer your questions about improving health, achieving your best physique, and making sustainable progress. We'll cover topics from carnivore and ketogenic diets, to bodybuilding, to life philosophy, and everything in between. Enjoy the show. Are you looking to lose fat, gain muscle, or improve your health, or all of the above? Interested in working with me one-on-one? Stop spinning your wheels, because I offer personalized coaching where I can help you reach your goals, whether it be fat loss, muscle building, improving your health, or all of the above. I provide tailored nutrition, training, and supplementation advice, one or all of them together, with 24-7 ongoing support to help guide you every step of the way. You can email me at scott.mize at gmail.com, click the link in the description of this episode to schedule your free consult call to go over your goals, answer questions with no obligation. Let's take your physique or health journey to the next level. This episode is brought to you by Optimal Carnivore. A lot of people ask me about organ meats. Do you need to eat organ meat? How, how do I eat organ meat? And Optimal Carnivore was created by carnivores for carnivores. They created a unique organ complex from grass-fed animals in New Zealand. It includes nine different organs, liver, brain, heart, thymus, kidney, spleen, pancreas. And taking just six capsules is the same as eating an ounce of raw organ meat from the butcher. I've been personally using Optimal Carnivore for years, my wife and I. I use it almost every single day. It's great when I don't have fresh organs available, don't feel like eating them, don't feel like cooking them, or if I'm traveling, I know I can get a variety of super high quality organs daily. Um, And they have lots of different products from their beef liver product to their organ complex to their brain product and their, their bone and marrow product. They have excellent products filled with highest quality ingredients, and you can get 10% off your order and support the show by going to the link in the description of this episode and using the code CARNIVORE10 at checkout. That's CARNIVORE10 to save and support the show. Thank you. Sam Feltham is the director of the Public Health Collaboration UK, a charity dedicated to improving the health of the public and saving the NHS money at the same time. Sam has been in the health and fitness industry for over a decade. Starting out as a party coordinator at a sports center, he worked his way up to study at the European Institute of Fitness and qualified as a master personal trainer. I first followed Sam way back in 2015, 2016 with his show Smash the Fat, a YouTube channel um, about basically a low carb slash keto podcast before keto was mainstream and before podcasts were mainstream, um, where he interviewed guests like Dr. David Unwin and did some very interesting 5,000 calorie self-experiments with different foods to see the results on body composition. Welcome to the show, Sam. Absolute pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I was thinking before the show, I still remember fondly, you had this video of you eating um, a giant bowl of like beef and cauliflower watching Monsters, Inc. And it was just like you getting tired and sweating and like finishing the movie. It was really funny. Yeah, but I was kind of like recreating that scene in Friends where where, um, uh, Rachel, she makes like a a trifle, but like half of the page is ripped. So it's like half a trifle. 
uh, British trifle. This is like a like a jam and kind of sponge type thing with a cottage pie, um, which is like a beef type pie. Um, and so like you've got beef, jam, like, you know, Victorian sponge and things. And Joey just like absolutely loves it and smashes it through. But I did it, but low carb. So yeah. it's, ba- it's basically like this massive trifle of like 5,000 calories in one sitting or something crazy like that. Um, yeah. and uh, that video is still up there. So if, if people want to watch me eat in pain, then they yeah, can, they I'll can have find a link it. to it. it. It's it's definitely worth a watch. Uh, has only grown in value. I'll, I'll have a link to that. Um, so I'd love to start with kind of like what's your health story and background, and mm. how did you become interested in diet and low carb as a health intervention in the first place? Yeah, um, I've had a, a fairly varied career, let's say. Um, I at university I studied website design. Um, and this like was when you know web design was HTML, <laughs> basically. Yeah. You're like you didn't have WordPress, you didn't have all the bits and bobs. Uh so I um I did that and then I did a year of working as a website designer. Um and I I quickly discovered that I, I just didn't want to sit behind a desk for the rest of my life. I'm a, a bit more uh, proactive than that. Um, so after that year, I managed to save a bit of money and then decided to do some world travel. So I went to New Zealand and uh, trained as a snowboard instructor, basically out in New Zealand. <clears throat> and uh, from there, I ended up doing back-to-back seasons between the Southern Hemisphere and the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, so I'd go from New Zealand and my my second season after that was in Vermont, um, a little uh, mountain resort called Akimo, if uh, anybody knows that one. Um, and then I went back to New Zealand and then went back to the States uh, um, in Colorado, at a resort called Winter Park, um, which is like the, the closest, you know, one to, one to Denver. Um, and then uh, back to New Zealand, and then uh, I went back to the Northern Hemisphere, uh, did it in Austria and Switzerland this time, um, went back to New Zealand one last time, and then back for my last season, um, which was like, gosh, uh, 2010 um, in Banff in Canada. Um, so I kind of, you know, hip hopped here, there and everywhere, but it was in Banff where I started to think about, you know, what what's my future actually going to look like because i was getting a bit sick and tired of changing uh location every six months and having to make it a whole new group of new friends and and things like that however fun it was you know it was, it was great during your mid-20s um but anyway so during that last season i actually watched this um this tv show called the last 10 pounds uh with this ex- do you know the do you know the program at all you ever come across no, i think I it's i think I think it's Canadian um, okay. specifically. Um, so, you know, Canadian viewers, you might know what it is, uh, but it's with this uh, ex-CFL player um, who's, you know, turned into a trainer and stuff like that. And um, he trains, you know, people to lose that last 10 pounds to get down to their ideal weight. Um, and I, I got really interested in it because um, I hadn't, I'd done the gym thing before, as you, as you mentioned, I used to work at a sports center in my younger years and always gone to the gym and kind of, you know, tried my best at healthy eating, but I'd never really researched it or anything. Um, but then during that that season, I really got into it. Um, and what I found was that, I mean, I'd, I'd always had asthma. 
Um, and that had always been a bit difficult snowboarding. Um, but in that last season, cleaning up my diet actually really helped out with being able to breathe at altitude. <laughs> that would have been helpful four years prior. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> such is life. Um, uh, but yeah, no, cleaning up my diet um, to, towards a low carb, real food diet really, really helped me with, with my asthma. Um, haven't had any symptoms ever since. Um, apart from during my self-experiments on on the low-fat fake food diet, of course, unfortunately, uh, but that was quickly alleviated. Um, but uh, yeah, so really got interested there and then thought, okay, yeah, I'd actually like to to become a personal trainer. Um, applied to, to study at the European Institute of Fitness. Um, and then, yeah, um, that summer I managed to qualify as a master personal trainer um, and then moved to London um, in with my brother in his box room um, and set up my own personal training business. Um, and it was kind of, it was 2010. So it was at the height of kind of, you know, the, the fitness boot camp uh, craze as well. Um, and so I set up my own fitness boot camps, which were smash the fat, as he, as he mentioned before. Um, and, uh, yeah, over the next few years, I managed to, to grow that to 10 locations around the UK. Um, I, I did it on a, like a franchise model basically. Um, and that was going, uh, going great guns. Uh, but in 2015, I kind of, felt like I was in a bit of a philosophical quandary where, you know, I could, I could continue with the business and that'd be great. And, you know, helping hundreds of people, um, and eventually thousands every month through, through all of our different locations. But, um, I always felt as though, you know, we're really always going to be battling uphill against, you know, the healthy eating guidelines by the government and also the NHS, because the NHS is so integral to, you know, um, our, our healthcare in the UK. Um, that you're you're always going to be battling up against you know healthcare professionals with what you're advising as a as a personal trainer or at least what I was advising, um, and so yeah, I just thought right, we've just got to take this head on, and the only way to do that, particularly in the UK, is by setting up a charity in order to to fully focus on creating the change that we want to see. So I pitched this idea to the likes of of Dr. David Unwin, his wife Dr. Jen Unwin. Um, you know, Trudy Deacon, Ian Lake, um, and everybody that's kind of still involved in the charity today. Um, and they said, great idea, but where's the money going to come from? Um, as always, this <laughs> is always the bottom line. Um, and I said, right, we'll, we'll run an online crowdfunding campaign and see if there's an appetite for this. Um, launched that in February 2016. And during that month, we doubled our target which was absolutely mind-blowing. Um, so we had our seed money to start our little adventure. Um, and yeah, we've been been going from strength to strength ever since, basically. That's amazing. Um, and I, yeah, I remember you um, posting that up and talking about like how you were going to take a working, what what is it called? A working yeah, wage? Yeah, wor working wage. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Which is like basically like the minimum the government has um yep. qualified for you to be able to get by um i thought that was very exactly. very noble of you thanks man and um i i definitely want to get into the um phc more but before we get there um what made you start the podcast and like interview yes. if you can call it that uh it was uh, yeah interviewing <laughs> experts uh, on youtube with smash the fat what inspired that 
Yeah, no, I mean, it was it was really at this phase where, you know, there, there were a couple of podcasts popping up um, and I, I felt like I had the skills to kind of do a podcast as well. Um, and I was, I don't want to say I was like a trailblazer or anything, but I was, I was a bit of ahead of the curve in terms of doing video you interviews. Were. Um, thank you. Um, and I was, I was using Google Hangouts when it was called Google Hangouts. Um, and I, I did them live as well. So you could watch them live as well as, you know, watch them afterwards on demand. Um, and uh yeah i think it was just the fact that i was starting to make all of these connections around the globe and i thought you know look we might as well um really try and uh get their knowledge out to the people basically um and uh yeah all of those those um interviews are still up on the youtube channel 130 i did in the end um and uh yeah no i'm 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 proud of of kind of you know being there at the forefront <laughs> Yeah, super high quality. Um, I really appreciated that. And and what made you try your calorie experiments? Can you talk through some of those and what were yeah, the results? I think that was just like such a cool idea and, and really amazing to watch. Thanks, man. Yeah, no. So this was 2013. So 10 years ago. Can you believe that? Um, wow. Yeah, isn't it? And I figured, you know, it was really difficult sometimes to uh demonstrate to my uh clients you know the difficulty of calories right uh you know the calories on your plate plate aren't necessarily translated to the calories of how your body processes it um and trying i i really wanted to illustrate how to how that kind of works through you know real life example um and because i've i've always been a naturally slim individual so uh, I figured the only way that I can do it is by going the opposite direction by trying to gain weight. Um, and so I decided to do this experiment where I'd eat uh, three different diets uh, for three weeks each with three months in between to kind of do a bit of a biochemical reset, but eat double that I usually would. Right. Um, and that ended up being um, over 5,000 calories. It was actually just shy of 6,000 uh, calories wow. in the end um, per day. Um, and the first one I did was was low carb real food. So, you know, it was uh, eggs and salmon for breakfast with green beans. Um, what was it? Mackerel um, and green beans for for lunch. And then it was steak and green beans for dinner. Um, and really kind of I, I just really kept it simple. You know, I could yeah. have like gone, you know, more extravagant, but I just wanted to keep it simple. Um, yeah. And then in between, I ate uh, nuts for snacks as well. Um, yeah. And each meal was almost, you know, a thousand calories each. Um, yeah, it's a lot. Of and food. it is a lot of food, a lot of volume. Um, and particularly with the nuts, it's like, you know, um, really having to like force them down and slowly like <laughs> chew through them all. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no. So on that one, over the three weeks, um, when calculated, the net calorie surplus, so that's the, the surplus calories after the protein thermogenic effect and the loss of dietary fiber and any calories I burned during exercise as well, um, was 47,000 calories. Um, so according wow. to the calorie formula, I should have put on 6.1 kilograms, uh, which is approximately about 14 pounds. Yeah something like that. 
Um, and but over those three weeks, I actually only put on 1.3 kilograms, um, oh. which is about three pounds. Um, and uh, I actually lost an inch off of my waist as well. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I remember you did very diligent measurements. It's really interesting. Yes. Yeah. And like that was the other thing. So, yeah, I was trying to be at the forefront of this YouTube thing. Um, and so I filmed each and every weigh in that I did. So I did the measure, like just to prove, look, everybody, I am literally standing on the scales yeah. here, looking down at the thingy. Like this is, and I did it in the mirror as well. So like I could kind of see, I was like, right, I'm doing it around my belly button. So it's the same point every single time and, and things like that. And I did that in the morning and evening. Um, and I took the medium of the, the mean of, 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 uh, of those two measurements for the, uh, for that, but I did it. Yeah. Morning and night. Um, and it was just, uh, yeah, it was, it was quite an intense time. I couldn't do it now because I've got two kids, but I'm so glad that I did it when I did it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, um, it was absolutely incredible. And that's a really interesting example just by itself. You know, the fact that it's, it's so different to what the calorie formula expected yeah. me to do. Right. Um, and so, uh, three months later, after you know a bit of a biochemical reset um i did the low fat fake food diet experiment so this was you know uh special k and skim milk for breakfast um you know chicken breast sandwiches for lunch um and then like a low fat lasagna um for for dinner um and then like in between it'd be you know uh crisps uh chips uh, for, for, for our American friends, chips and, and, and a can of Coke, you know, which is like standard, right? Like what most people eat. Yeah, exactly. It really was what most people eat. Um, and on that, I managed to calculate it so that it was also 47,000 calorie net surplus. Um, and, and like the actual, uh, difference, I think it was 53 calories, um, over, over three weeks. This isn't per day. This is, <laughs> over three weeks i've managed to get so it within 53 calories over three weeks yeah. um so as close as you could possibly get um and um on that again you know the calorie formula said that i should have put on 6.1 kilograms um 14 pounds but i actually put on 7.1 kilograms 16 pounds so absolutely mind-blowing that i actually went over the calorie formula wow and then also on my uh on my waist uh, I put on 9.25 uh, centimeters, so about three three and a quarter inches um, yeah. on my on my waist. Um, so for a guy that's always been naturally slim, that was really scary. You know, yeah. um, that was that was mind blowing. Um, but not but not only that. Um, during that time, um, as I said before, my asthmatic symptoms came back. I was getting breathless on my leisurely uh, cycle commute to work you know like i couldn't imagine getting out of breath just going you know like 15 miles an hour on a bike <laughs> it's like oh yeah. that's a pretty low level exercise for, for a guy like me um and i was getting out of breath um and uh yeah no i started snoring during that time as well um and yeah no it was just it was a really disruptive time um but what was really interesting on that uh, experiment was that uh i could have probably kept eating on that one really as well yeah on that first one i was having to like the, the steak 
um, and the and the final round of nuts in the evening, I was really having to like shove it in and like kind of just oh my gosh, I'm so I I just didn't need to eat, but I had to to like prove the point. But on on this one, <clears throat> for fake food, I could have just kept on eating um, Crazy. more and more and more totally, man. Um, and so uh, yeah, what I did after that um, was kind of like a, an experiment to be. Um, so I, I actually decided that what I thought would be interesting was if I just kept on eating at calorie maintenance on going back to a low carb diet, if I eat it just calorie maintenance, can I maintain that weight gain? Right. right. Um, and so I calculated my, uh, calorie maintenance level. Um, so for those that don't know, it's the, it's the, it's the amount of calories that you'd eat to to maintain your current weight right um and so i calculated that every day using the harris benedict formula which is like the you know standard one right. for working out uh calories um for for you as an individual um and that was about three and a half thousand at that point um and i ate that um just eating you know my usual low carb real food diet uh you know eggs and bacon for breakfast and yeah you know again fish for lunch and some steak for dinner basically um but over those three weeks uh, of the 7.1 kilograms that i had gained i lost 6.1 kilograms wow right so and this was eating at calorie maintenance so i i, yeah. I lost like you know the vast majority of the weight that i've actually gained by eating at calorie maintenance um yeah. absolutely incredible that Pretty i did easy. that <laughs> Yeah, no, it was totally easy because I was, you know, I, I probably could have done a fast within that time, you know, quite easily um, because I wasn't particularly hungry. I did, but I wanted to prove the point that I could still lose the weight at calorie maintenance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which was really interesting. Um, but three months later, um, I do the, the third and final experiment, which was this very low fat vegan real food diet. Um, so I took the, the, uh, fat percentage down to 15 15 um that's like the lowest level of fat that you should be eating even according to like the standard um you know recommendations that you shouldn't go wow. below 15 percent of your diet um so i took it down to the lowest level um that was recommended even by kind of you know um our governments basically um and then um yeah just Breakfast was, you know, porridge and water um, with some agave nectar. Um, you know, and, and what was funny, actually, I did the first day with honey um, and I didn't even think about it, that that isn't technically vegan um, <laughs> <laughs> because it comes from It's funny. So you're like, I put that out on Twitter, got a massive barrage of, you know, honey isn't <laughs> vegan. I was like, okay, all right, I'll switch it to agave nectar. All right. <laughs> um, so I did that um and uh but anyway yeah on that I, for lunch it was like a beet uh beans like a three beans salad thing with um i managed to fit in a shot of olive oil um every day okay uh, like in, into my you know calculations yeah um so so that was something that i could feel like you know at least i'm getting i'd say some level of you know fatty goodness yeah um and uh yeah, then dinner uh, was like potatoes and water chestnuts or something weird like that. Um, mm. But anyway, on that one, um, 
the net calorie surplus, I could only get it to 40,000. Um, so that's 7,000 calories less than the other two. Now, yeah. the reason for that was because of the sheer um, volume of food and the type of foods I was fiber. eating, the fiber was the thing that really yeah. hit me. So the the recommended daily amount for fiber, at least in the UK, is 30 grams per day. I was eating 175 grams of fiber every single day um, through that diet. Um, and so it was just, you know, my wife wasn't happy with me, basically, um, over that time. Um, sure. I was uh, <laughs> yeah, not, not a happy buddy um, through that time. Uh, and uh, yeah, that, that was the only reason that I couldn't get it to that. And so, but according to the calorie formula, I should have put on 5.2 kilograms, which is approximately um, probably about 12 pounds. Um, and uh, during that time, I actually put on 4.7 kilograms. So not quite what the calorie formula expected, uh, but uh, certainly the vast majority of it, uh, but also a lot more than the first low carb real food experiment right. where i'd eaten you know technically seven thousand calories more um yeah. so that was really interesting um and what i found on this one uh was that i was i was really satiated i, I really was struggling to eat it all as well um always managed it but it was a real struggle so satiation wise um that was fine but then my my mental clarity was really um deterred during during that time yeah. you know um just yeah i just couldn't think straight <laughs> basically yeah. but then also uh my asthmatic symptoms did come on as well mm. during that time as well and that that's probably you know the amount of carbohydrates because uh, even even the american um asthmatic association does recommend um a level of carbohydrate restriction for alleviating asthmatic really symptoms. i didn't know yes. that yeah yeah absolutely um which which is really interesting that they they do do that um they can see like the, the effect that it has on blood pressure and so it, yeah. that's it, that's part of the mechanism for asthma. <laughs> Um, as well as I'm sure information is involved in that too. Um, but uh, yeah, no, like the, the its effect on blood pressure um, has, has a massive effect on, on, on asthma. Um, but uh, yeah, um, so that was just, oh, and then my waist circumference, sorry, I forgot to, to mention. So on that one, um, I put on seven and three quarters uh, centimetres on my waist which is like two and a half inches okay um on my waist so again comparing that to the first one where i lost an inch yeah and then on this one i put on two and a half inches um even though i ate seven thousand calories less so basically like my my presentation to the world was that calories is a lot more complicated than you think yeah <laughs> yeah and it's not just like you know you can just calculate the calories and expect your your body to react in the same way totally. even if they you're eating different foods yeah. um and that you do absolutely have to take into account um you know the hormonal um effects that the foods are having on your body um as as well as the you know the quantity does matter uh, you know somewhere in there um yeah. but you know the fact that you can't just kind of say like just eat uh, just focus on the calories yeah, that's just not good. That's just not going to cut it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a fantastic and catchy way to uh, present the information and, and capture people's attention. 
Um, I think you you did get some like mainstream media coverage for it too, mm-hmm. did you not? I I got in the Daily Mail. Yeah, that's awesome. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a huge uh, proponent of self experimentation. Maybe not to this level <laughs> or not in the form of like torturing yourself with with massive amounts of food but i think yeah. so many people um are trying to just like find a diet find an influencer's diet and copy it um or people come to me and they ask questions like should i be eating organ meats or something like this and mm-hmm. i'm always the first to say like you should try it for yourself you know and yeah, um have some form of of uh recording like how you feel, how satisfied you are, how it affects your mental clarity, how it affects your symptoms of asthma and things like that. And, um, you know, you, you'll learn way more about yourself that way than just, just asking what some expert does and and following them strictly. You can always start with a template, of course, Mm -hmm. but I I think there's a lot of value in, in trying things for yourself. Oh, definitely, man. Um, and yeah, as you say, it's, it's, it's good to kind of have like an initial guide, but then yeah. you have to be the one to, to, to then guide yourself to, yeah. to finding the way that works for you really. And and the best way to do that is by measuring what you can. Um, and, and even if it's just, you know, rudimentary stuff, like just your, your waist circumference and your weight. Um, but also, yeah, do try to, to measure your, your mental clarity, um you know any if you have any particular aches or pains in your body like knee pain or back pain try to keep track of that you know just start off with a with a scale of 10 um and say where your back pain is from day one you know and then like hopefully you'll see a trend of it going down from like an eight and a nine to like a three and a four or something like that um that'd be really that's really helpful yeah yeah that's a great that's a great idea um i did something similar i i followed a carnivore diet strictly for three Mm. years from 2016 to 2019 actually and then um found actually not too dissimilar from you i was having trouble maintaining my weight um and i couldn't tolerate the amount of fat i needed to maintain Mm. my weight so um i slowly reintroduced some whole food carbohydrates Mm -hmm. um like fruit and and things like that and um i followed uh the whole 30 food reintroduction method where they basically advise that you take three days, you eat one serving a day of the food you're reintroducing and they, they do it one food at a time, not even one food group. So it'll be like Mm -hmm. strawberries. And then um, you record how satisfied were you? How did it make you feel? How's your digestion? And then you return back to your baseline and then you can choose whether to um, include that food. And, and it, taught me a lot about like vegetables I can and cannot tolerate things like that. So not everyone has to be that um, detailed, but I think something like that can be really helpful. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. Um, So I wanted to talk more about PHC. Um, What are some of the biggest obstacles and barriers you're up against with the messages and research you're Mm -hmm. trying to do? Yeah. So one of the biggest obstacle is the fact that what we're, kind of advocating for is completely contrary to current guidelines um so we're really saying you know don't worry about the about the fats so much you know any natural fats like really just don't worry about them so much um and uh yeah you just really need to keep an eye on the quantity and quality of 
the carbohydrates that you're eating. Um, but current government guidelines um, in the UK are not too dissimilar from the US um, are that, you know, you should be eating anywhere between 50 to 60 percent of your diet from carbohydrates. Um, but when you've got a population that's increasing in weight and, you know, getting more and more type two diabetics uh, diagnosed every single year, you know, which is best characterized as, you know, a an, an intolerance of, of carbohydrates, um, you know, why, what are you doing? <laughs> why, why are you recommending carbohydrates to an increasingly intolerant carbohydrate population? Uh, yeah. It just makes zero sense to us. Uh, but that's, that's the, you know, the situation that we're in. And we're having to demonstrate that, you know, there's, there's a better way that we can go about trying to do this rather than just focusing on calories and weight loss drugs, um, which is the current solution, right? Um, I mean, the, the, these, you know, injections that they're giving people on a weekly basis is really kind of, you know, a really extreme. Um, but it, it, it's becoming more and more normalized, which is the really scary thing. And like, that's like, just, it's going to become standard of care unless we try to try to act sooner rather than later with all of this. Um, but uh, yeah, no, um, that's one of the biggest obstacles that we've got. Uh, but then at the same time, you know, you've got a lot of people that have been doing the same thing day in, day out since, you know, the 80s and 90s. And they feel like they just don't need to change their their practice, basically. Um, you know, they've been doing the same thing for that long. Why should they change? Um, and trying to convince them that, you know, the science, uh, the scientific literature shows a different picture now, basically. Um, and, the, you know, the randomized controlled trials are quite clear uh, on the PHC website. Um, we've got a, a list of all of the randomized controlled trials between low fat and low carb um, uh, diets on, on weight loss. Um, and of those 70, um, what was it? It was 63 show greater weight loss in low carb. Um, and um, one of them are equal. And then uh, seven are um, greater in weight loss for low fat. But when you break that down further, um, those those seven aren't statistically significant. It's like it's technically greater, but it's like you know zero point one kilograms more, or you know um, half a kilogram more. Um, but when you look at the the low carb ones of those sixty three, you know thirty three of them are st statistically significant. Um, so when you look at the statistically significant ones, it's like thirty three to zero, um, and it's like look if if that if this is like an american football game 33 to 0 it's a fair fairly you know obvious win <laughs> for that team um but uh, apparently in randomized controlled trials that doesn't count um but uh yeah so that's what we're trying to demonstrate and so it's it's about trying to overcome uh, financial interests but also you know uh ego um within you know, certain spheres of, of the healthcare profession of trying to show them that, you know, look, the scientific literature is definitely showing a different picture these days. Um, and, you know, what we're doing in the real world, you know, through the work of Dr. David Unwin, um, we're absolutely demonstrating that this can be done in NHS GP practices 
um, on a daily basis, doesn't take particularly much extra resource, um, and it saves you know up to um, fifty thousand pounds per year more than all of the other practices. So if we were to uh, actually extrapolate that to the entirety of the UK, we'd be looking at about half a billion pounds um, in terms of savings. Um, I mean, you know, who doesn't want to save half a billion pounds, <laughs> you know, on the, on, yeah. on your uh, healthcare bill? <clears throat> so that's what we're really trying to overcome, and you know, it's it's going to be a long road, but we're we're really getting there, and the the NHS healthcare professionals that are, that are supporting us um, have kind of a, a lot of them have gone on that journey themselves, sort of, you know, have been in the midst of day-to-day practice and kind of you know doing the standard stuff but then when you get you know patients actually following you know a low-carb lifestyle or something and have put their type 2 diabetes into remission you just, you just can't unsee it you know it's like it's blindingly obvious that that has worked so why wouldn't i offer that to the rest of my patients right. um and so that kind of that slow you know war of attrition that we're trying to <laughs> to, yeah. to conduct here uh, it's just going to take some time unfortunately um but i i only see it going one way um and that's what kind of gives me hope for the future <laughs> yeah that's amazing and are are you targeting like a specific set of guidelines that the nhs has or some other mm-hmm. part of the uk government or multiple organizations what is what is it that you're specifically yes. trying to change Yes. So it'd be the NICE guidelines. So NICE stands for the National Institute of um, Health and Care Excellence. Um, Very, you know, (laughs) complicated, but uh, NICE is the organisation that is responsible for medical guidelines in the UK. That is both, uh, you know, dietary and medical. Okay. So uh, at the moment, it it kind of does allow healthcare professionals to actually individualize carbohydrate content for patients. Um, mm-hmm. But that's just kind of like a bit of a technicality that we're getting in on in terms of, you know, GPs and nurses being able to actually advise low carb within an uh, NHS setting. Uh, but okay. we we actually want to have an explicit um, dietary guideline on low carb um and and ketogenic diets um for type 2 diabetes to begin with and then we're hoping that that will filter out to all of the other conditions that it can help out with um so and because it's just because type 2 diabetes it's it's it we feel like we've got the strongest amount of evidence for that um and it's the most you know um biomechanical uh it's the most logical in terms of like the actual biology Mm. um you know that you can actually demonstrate that you know look this is a type 2 diabetes it's a disorder of carbohydrate metabolism so it absolutely makes sense to you know restrict carbohydrates you know um and so uh yeah we're putting all of those ducks in a row um we're hoping to get the dietary guidelines put put in there um and and the the main mechanism for that um is through uh, one of our projects called the Lifestyle Club. Um, and the Lifestyle Club is currently commissioned in 44 GP practices in the UK, um, which is really cool. So there, there is absolutely an appetite for this within the NHS. It's just about trying to convince the higher ups um, about, about trying to get it commissioned across the nation. Um, 
because uh, there, there are seven and a half thousand GP practices in the UK. So we're, we're, we're like a tiny ickle bit of the pie with 44, but it's a good start. Um, and uh, at the moment, we're crowdfunding for, um, for a study that we're partnering with the University of Surrey, um, which is a university just, just outside of London. Um, and that study um, is going to hopefully provide us with the robust scientific data we need to show you know the powers that be within the nhs that this is absolutely a scalable effective and cost effective um uh model for people to actually uh improve their health uh put type 2 diabetes into remission and save the nhs money at the same time um and uh yeah if you go to uh gofundme.com forward slash tlc study you can look at all of the details there um and um very kindly um the the bazooki group um who you might have heard of are actually doing a twenty thousand pound match funding um for us yeah. at the moment so uh the next twenty thousand pounds that we raise actually gets doubled so you the donations that you put in now get doubled um because it's gonna it's gonna cost us you know fifty thousand pounds for this study um to do um but uh yeah um if we can uh get there sooner rather than later uh then we, hopefully we can we can change the guidelines sooner <laughs> perfect yeah I'll, I'll certainly have a link to that in the show notes as well and, and folks should check that out i think it's a great way to contribute um well sam thank you so much for coming on today it's it's an absolute honor um you inspired me way back in the day you're a big part of why i started this podcast wow. so That's thank great. you so much um where else can people follow along and find you and, and the great work you're doing with PHC. Excellent. So yeah, no, absolutely go visit the PHC websites at phcuk.org. Um, and then from there, you can kind of look at all of our projects. Obviously, I, I mentioned that we've got the, the Lifestyle Club there. Uh, we've also got uh, food addiction resources, um, which is obviously trying to help people uh, that are that, uh, you know, going through food addiction um, at the moment. So there's lots of resources on there. If you think that you've got food addiction, there's even kind of a, a, a survey on there, a questionnaire that you can take to see if you might have a, a food addiction, if you have a, a hunch that you might. Um, and then uh, also uh, real food runners as well. So um, we've got like a, an informal uh, running club called Real Food Runners. Um, and we mostly facilitate it through something called Park Run. I know it's not quite as popular in the US, but it's it's a really big thing in the UK. It's this uh, this charity that set up a um, 5K run uh, on Saturday mornings uh, in most of the parks in the UK. And, you know, you can go along to that and then run with like, you know, uh, hundreds of other people on a Saturday morning to do a 5k and they do all the timing for you as yeah, well I've heard of this. Um, and stuff like that. It's really cool. And it's all free, hundred percent free. Um, but what you can do within park run is that you set up your own groups. And so real food runners has its own group. And so you can actually kind of see what all the real food runners times are throughout the UK. Um, and also like we, we, we've done several meetups now, uh, for the real food runners, um, which has been really nice. And you can, we've got real food runners, t-shirts, like the logo is like a, a, a running egg. Um, so it's like an egg with like an eye, eyes and a mouth <laughs> nice. and it's like running along like, you know, Egbert, um, I think is the name of the guy, um, cool. <laughs> which, which is really fun. 
Um, and yeah, no, um, we've also got a, a fairly um, prolific uh, YouTube channel as well. Uh, we just got all of our videos on um, from from our conferences in the past, and and the videos for this year's conference will be going on there weekly um, from from September. Um, so definitely subscribe to the YouTube channel, um, and then you'll get to see all of the the great uh, talks from from this year. Great. Excellent. I'll, I'll definitely have links to all that. And thanks again for the time, Sam. It's, it's been excellent and really appreciate you coming on. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for listening to the show. You can find The Scott My Show on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Please leave a comment, like, review, or share the podcast with your friends or followers. It helps more people find the show.